Dave Fanning on 2FM. And welcome to part two of Irish musicians picking albums they love. Twelve altogether this weekend. Yesterday we had Faye O'Rourke from Soda Blonde, Brezzy, Neve Regan, Craig Walker from Power of Dreams, Neve Farrell from Ham Sandwich and Dahi. He picked Daft Punk's Discovery album. Six more today. We'll start with Alva Reddy, who has a new and second album of her own coming out on Patrick's Day called Endless Affair. So what album means a lot to her? This one. That's it. The track is Skater Boy. The album is Let Go. It's from Avril Lavigne. And it's the choice of my guest today, musician Alva Reddy, who's picked it as her favourite album. More like the album that influenced her. Alva, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks very much for having me, Dave. Now, just want to say something about this. Okay. You were about, what, 10 or 11. It had a huge seismic effect on you 20 years ago. Tell me about it. Well, when I was about that age, most of the stuff that was going out for, that was aimed at kids my age was like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera, which just didn't appeal to me at all. And Avril Lavigne was the, kind of the first kind of contemporary artist that I thought yeah. appealed to me. You know, she kind of dressed like the way I did and she sang about things that I found appealing. And, you know, she wasn't just singing about like boys she had crushes on. It was a lot less like kind of, I suppose, girly. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, yeah. it, it definitely appealed to me more. So I remember it just being like the most amazing album to me when I was 10 and it was huge, like massively formative for me going going forward Okay well I've got to be honest and say that I had to check up a few <laughs> things about this I mean I, I think if I had been asked in a competition or a question thing you know, I wouldn't have got the title of it even but I do <laughs> I do know that the effect it had a huge effect it sold 16 million albums She was the, it's the greatest selling um, album by a Canadian artist ever, yeah, ever I think or something yeah and it was like one of the top ones of the 21st century or something or for, for 10 years it was like the top selling album Well tell me about Avril Levine herself I mean like she went through an awful lot to make this album didn't she she really yeah. it, was, it was her vision all the time and she wasn't going to be stopped even though she got loads of collaborative help and all the rest mm. of it but she definitely wanted to do it her way yeah I mean the label signed her LA Reid signed her and they had an idea for her to kind of be Faith Hill and they really pushed her that direction and she kept just pushing back and she wanted to do this kind of like uh, more punk pop punk sound and she kept fighting for it which is kind of amazing thinking of her as being like a 16 year old like She'd been given this massive record deal and then she yeah. had all these older, more influential people saying like, no, you can't do that. You have to go this direction. And she just kept saying, no, I want to go this direction. I want to go this direction. Like she ended up working with a group called The Matrix, which is a songwriting group. And they had all these like Faith Hill kind of t- style songs written yeah. for her. And, and she Faith Hill had been kind no. of well-known American indie kind of. Yeah, yeah, and kind of more, yeah, more like folk country. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she basically said, no, I, that's not my style at all. I don't want that. So she was like constantly pushing back. And the Matrix was a kind of a team. Did they go with her eventually and realise, OK, listen, she's in charge. Let's see what happens here. Yeah, apparently by the next day, they had just rearranged everything. They'd binned all the Faith Hill style tracks. And the next day they wrote Complicated. Right, which of course is the big is the, song. Is the big yeah. song, yeah. Now, that song has done something for her. It opened every single door and made her mm. famous. Do you think in one way it's dragged her down ever so slightly? I think if she Since then, like, put out something like, um, I mean, it was very teenager-ish, but I do think that, uh, yeah, maybe she was never seen as a mature songwriter. If they'd put out like Losing Grip or I'm With You, maybe she would have been viewed by more like adult audiences as a more mature songwriter, maybe. But 
still it's such a catchy song <laughs> right indeed and anything but ordinary that wouldn't be, that, that, that was going to be the name of the album the, the let go title uh, first first of all the, the cover I like the cover yeah the cover's cool kind of, she's kind of slightly sideways in it with people going by yeah and it's kind of cool the handwritten effect yeah. of the font it has come back into fashion again you see loads yeah. of artists using that kind of style so you, you can see that there's people who are releasing music now who are heavily influenced by Avril Lavigne like there's no two ways about it yeah the funny thing is when Skater Boy is one of the big things on it too and uh, she has the eight in the middle uh, there's yeah. a quote from her saying uh, yeah, I was just wondering would people get it I don't think that's I, I don't think that was her quote I think that she's been attributed with that to make yeah. her look stupid because I don't yeah. think she said that because it would sound pretty stupid it's, it's not a particularly amazing artistic choice no it's not really and Prince was doing that kind of thing 25 yeah. years before that yeah. exactly yeah okay so um, when you heard it then this was something very different so had you known the Lindsay Lohans and the Ashley Simpsons and the Hannah Montanas and all that or did they even come around that same time they were after they were after okay <laughs> yeah. but Britney Spears was before yeah. So she kind of pushed Britney to the sidelines, didn't she? Yeah, or at least was kind of something a bit different, a little less kind of this is what, you know, you know, ideal teenage girl kind of you know, just very different, like way less sexualized as well, which I think was appealing to me. And the whole idea of the female-fronted pop rock band, she really brought that into the mainstream, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. And she was she was the first concert I ever saw was her like leading a group of dudes and who were her backing band I remember thinking that was amazing I went to see her in The Point in 2003 I think um, She did have a thing didn't she I can't remember the name she had a tour um, oh, Try to Shut Me Up tour yeah. Was that that tour? That was that tour yeah. Oh right okay and so you saw was she any good? Amazing I mean I had never seen a gig before but I was, <laughs> yeah, was completely point, yeah. Uh, uh, you know in, like, enthralled by her and I remember it was when you used to be able to smoke in the point I think and I remember just <laughs> Wait, were, you, were you smoking at the age I of 12? I wasn't God no oh. but I remember just being like the, the smoke was getting my eyes and everything I was oh, so yeah. small my sister brought me and I remember being like oh, this is insane <laughs> but I'd never been to a gig before Probably just sort of the dry ice or something yeah, yeah, all yeah. part of the show that's brilliant so she was good though and the band was good yeah 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 I mean I had no frame of reference but it seemed amazing to me It's funny you should say yeah yeah but actually bands like the yeah yeah yeahs and that I know it's different music and much tougher indie mm. but she opened the doors for a lot of that you know she brought it into the mainstream in a yeah. massive way yeah yeah yeah. the whole pop punk thing but listen we'll take a second track what's the second track you're going to take from it I'm With You I'm With You is the song and this is uh, we're talking to Avaretti about a Let Go which is the debut album 16 million selling debut album I'll have you know by uh, Avril Lavigne <laughs> With you is the name of the song. We're talking with Alva Reddy here about her favourite album. And uh, by the way, just as a matter of interest, have you played it any time over the last five years? I listen to this, particularly this song, a lot. Oh, really? I'm with you. I got to play it with um, James Wizzick Morrow, did a emo and indie night in Whelan's. I'm not sure if you heard about it, but I got to sing I'm with you. And the room blew up for it because people love that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, people grew up with this whole thing. Exactly, there's there's yeah. moments in people's lives, and I suppose you can. Like, usually, it's a bit more into the teens, but ten years of age, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It can happen anytime. Even more of an effect. I mean, I know all the words still. Yeah, the voice. She really. That was. I mean, she won a. Did you know she won a competition um, in Canada years ago? I did to sing with Shania Twain. That's right. To mm. sing with Shania Twain, and she actually won it. So she sang it and said, "Like, what do you want to be?" She was introduced on stage, and it was like, a, "I want to be a famous singer." Yeah, she did it. Yeah, she certainly did. She was I yeah. was always angry for that. Apparently her um, her manager saw her as being like a mix between Fiona Apple and Shania or Cheryl Crow. Yeah. Which, I mean, 
not too far off. No, indeed. Now, now, the voice is pretty good. That's one of the things she had going, as well as yeah. her attitude. You can see the Alanis Morissette kind of crossover as well with the kind of yodelling effect that she does in some points as well. Do you think, at your sort of impressionable age, that she was genuinely what you would call not in any way faked of some of the names I might have mentioned earlier on. She was a real teenager. She was definitely a real teenager. I mean, I don't know how good it was for her to be 17 and touring the world. Um, it must have been a lot, like an yeah. insane workload. She says that herself now, 20 years on. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably a lot. And, you know, she is was still part of that big... She was part of the same machine as Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. No doubt about it. You know, she was part of that hit machine. But I mean, the, like all those fantastic kind of clean riffs and the punchy kind of mm. live drums and the, all the atmospheric background stuff. You know, she got involved big time. She wasn't just letting the Matrix or anybody else, you know, Absolutely. dictate everything. And you can definitely hear her influence. And she says herself that there's some songs that they had more of a hand in writing than she did. And she's connect, more connected to other songs that she had more of a hand in writing. And it, it's called Let Go. It's actually a B-side that she preferred. Yeah. That's why they called it that, even though that uh, song didn't make it on the album. And the one that like, made it big for her is complicated, but she said she preferred Losing Grip herself. Mm. If she had gone with Losing Grip, do you think that she might have steered herself to a different direction and stayed true to what she really wants to be? She's not given out about complicated, but it did define her in a way that she might yeah. be ho- totally happy with it. Well, it's more, more of a mature song. You know, complicated, even the music video was her and her friends trashing a mall. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was all very geared towards teenagers and younger kids. Well, as I think Losing Grip was maybe a more mature song. It would have, uh, it would have pulled in a different kind of audience, but maybe yeah. not as big of an audience. And the youngest female solo act to have a number one in the UK as well. Just to, on, on that thrashing the mall thing. Did that appeal to you as well? Like, yeah, it's, oh, what a so great cool. video. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, right, when you watch the video, all the fashion is back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah. And also, like, and, like she's, if you go into a record shop, I think she's filed under everything from art rock to post grunge. But let's just take a look at the next six albums then. Uh, for instance, have you heard the latest one? It's called Love Sucks. I've heard it, yeah. Any good? Wouldn't be for me. <laughs> That's a nice, I, I, I nice lost, way of I saying. lost interest after the second album, I have to say. Uh, was the second album any good? Yeah, the second album, Under My Skin, was pretty good. Um, and then beyond that, not for me anymore. I think maybe my tastes kind of developed a bit more. Yeah. Is she vaguely moving into a kind of a slightly like religious direction at the moment? No, I, I mean, think she did a while ago. Oh, did yeah. she? Yeah. So even more yeah. so, not, not my vibe. Right, <laughs> yeah, indeed, yes. Okay, Avril Lavigne it is then, and the album is let go. So just just before we play, what's the last song you're going to play? Complicated. Yeah, you got to play complicated. <laughs> you got to play complicated. It's morning, you're going to get there. Look, at the beginning you weren't sure about this album, now you're excited to play complicated. <laughs> yeah, job done. <laughs> oh God, I think there's a trap being laid and I walked into it. And Olive, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a million for talking with us on the programme today. Thanks um, for This me. is not from you, this is from... Uh, Avril Lavigne and it's from her debut album Let Go and the song is called Complicated from a 16 million selling album Alva good luck take it easy Thank you Twelve Irish musicians picking an album they love. Six yesterday. Alva Reddy makes seven a few minutes ago. She remembers Avril Lavigne. Number eight, Jack L. What's his choice? Reach out, touch face. Reach out and touch faith. 
Reach out and touch faith indeed. Okay, so we're talking personal Jesus, we're talking Violator, we're talking Depeche Mode and Jack L, how are you? Are you all right? Very good, yeah, nice to hear that one. That one always gets the foot tapping, doesn't it? Right, indeed. I, I don't know why I'd say it nearly, oh, really, what the album did he pick? Really? Violator? I don't know why I say, like, I wouldn't have necessarily known that that would where you'd go, you know? Yeah, I thought, well, I thought you might go, I don't know, anything from Aretha to Tom Waits or something. If I'm buying a new stereo system the first album I'll put on is Violator. Right. It's, first of all, it's just beautifully, sonically, it's a masterpiece. Right. Uh, they talk about, you know, it being mixed for weeks on end, single songs. or And it actually works, you know, nothing was lost. It, it enhanced the whole thing. So that particular song, that was the first single off it. It was kind of an odd choice, not very Depeche Mode, but it was where they kind of start bringing blues, I suppose, mixing blues and electronica. And having been a fan, first one of the first tapes I ever had, my brother's tape, it was a copy tape of Speak and Spell. So I just oh, yeah. loved that crisp, sonic kind of sound. And I suppose the fact Dave Gann had a lower kind of voice I could relate to, uh, I could sing the songs, I suppose. But the thing similar. about it is, like, when, when, they, when they popped up first on top of the pops and stuff, I just thought, oh, oh every, yeah. another one of these horrible bands. Like, yeah. I didn't like, just can't get They were enough, the perfect but, 80s band. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then they had a song called Pretty Boy, which it was just one of the worst things ever. <laughs> but the more kind of weird they got, the more they went on the road, the more they did things they shouldn't do, the better the music got. Well, when Vince Clark left, yeah, he and left and Razor and Yazoo and everything he was in. But uh, they, I suppose, yeah, Martin Gore took over the songwriting. Um, yeah, and Alan Wilder would have done the construction time stuff of taking his. Yeah, yeah. and he, he was kind of more so. He was more musical than any of them, and uh, right. kind of you know a great piano player. So he evolved with them from there, and I suppose they had yeah, they had a lot of naff kind of albums here and there well, not, songs. Not, not, not so much that was songs yeah they just yeah. kept getting better it was very poppy it was like the early Beatles you know it was t- t- I suppose more teenage you want to hold your hand <laughs> <laughs> yeah well of course but then again just can't get enough as, as yeah. good as any song but uh, as any pop song but, but building on from there to Black Celebration Music for the Masses it was always getting better yeah. and better and the songwriting was getting better and then you had 101 which I remember I had it as, as a double tape you know you got the double tape thing is, the is that the, the Live in Pasadena. Live in Pasadena. By your man who did Dylan, what's his name? D.A. Pennebaker. Yeah, and yeah. it was kind of a, it was kind of a, well, there was a, two movies. There was one of the, the actual footage of just the gig and then there was a, a kind of following, uh, like a reality TV thing following right. fans. Yeah. But, uh, it's just one of the most epic gigs you'll ever see. Never let me down at the end where everybody's waving their hands around. It's just yeah. biblical, it really is. So I thought, at that point, I thought, wow. And then they came out with Violator in 1990 and just, yeah. it was so fresh and it was more modern, even though they had been dealing in modern music all along. And uh, Well, so, Violator yeah. was a long way from, from what you call it, some great reward or whatever it was from six years before that. Yeah. 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 Okay, I'm going to play another one and you, uh, this is Policy of Truth. Any reason why? or Just, just, just again, sonically, I think this is just... A, beautiful song once again using that bl- that blues kind of electronic slide sound is just uh, just it just gets me Jack L policy of truth um Depeche Mode is what we're talking about here, Violator. So just tell us then, just about, like, do you think in some ways that there was a thing where kind of hair metal was kind of dying around this time and art rock was uh, raising its head again before, I don't know, uh, like maybe before any kind of Nirvana came along? It was a good time. Yeah, well, I think this one, this this particular album uh, came out of the kind of the Acid House club scene more so, you know, that was happening in the late 80s, early 90s, or 90s, sorry, 90s. Um, and uh, yeah, this is where they were incorporating guitar more so, which probably 
became more to the fore in the next album, Songs of Fate and Devotion, which I probably could have easily picked as my favorite album tomorrow. Um, but uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was it was very of its time, and you know, the nineties, looking back, or look a bit like the sixties, was great kind of hope for the future kind of thing. What was going to happen next? The internet was happening, and uh, so it kind of sums that up for me. Yeah, I mean, the, like the, the songs of faith and devotion. God, it's a terrible thing. I think that was the one that I spent two days with the band making a kind of a, 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 a I don't know what you call it, a video thing, right? Going down the strand at the Thames with like all these kind of cameras and things going on. But okay. I interviewed two of them first. Yeah. And then Dave gets out of his, um, what do you call it, caravan and does his bit and that. And also then we were in the studio for a full day as well. And the funny thing is that uh, Dave, like, he was losing it. Yeah, I saw them. I saw that when the, the Songs of Fate and Devotion tour in The Point. And I don't know, was it 93 maybe or so? Um, maybe earlier, 92. But it was one of the best gigs I've ever seen. And much as he was... Uh, Deep into hard drugs, then he was yeah. definitely on the on the money as regards doing gigs. It was uh, you know once again he he was a master frontman. He he really knew how to work a crowd, and the songs are so anthemic that it's just one of those gigs you just everybody's just singing. You know, if thousands of people singing a chorus, uh, which is always a beautiful thing. Uh, Andrew Fletcher from the band died recently, and yeah. uh, I think he'd, he'd be the first to admit himself. He really shouldn't have been in the band. He he did nothing. He was considered more an imagined managerial yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. capacity in the end. But he was always at the gigs and he was always once again driving the crowd kind of uh, he would I- incorporate himself but yeah sometimes it's hard to work out how much of it is uh, happening on stage and how much of it is real yeah, I mean Dave Gahan was with us on the programme about 18 months ago or a year ago in fact and uh, he, he admitted like you know, the years that he lost and the kind of yeah, he was dead for he was famously dead for, for 10 minutes I think twice he might have done that to himself yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean he just went for that whole rock and roll he did. suicide kind of yeah. thing and uh, but uh, yeah the, I mean they're back they announced the new tour playing in Dublin in this next summer next is it and uh, yeah. they've got a new album coming out I mean after Songs of Fate and Devotion the, the quality of uh, when Andy uh, Fletcher left um, or no sorry Alan Wilder Alan left, Wilder yeah he um, the, the music kind of and the the songs weren't as good I don't know it just now they were great they're, they're still brilliant but uh but that was their peak, really. Violator to Songs of Fate and Devotion. Yeah, indeed. Fair enough. So what we've done is we played Personal Jesus and Policy of Truth. Did I play Enjoy the Silence? I no. Didn't know, no. So I'm going to do Enjoy the Silence. So uh, thanks a million. Good man yourself. Take it easy, Jack. Thanks a million, and, uh, Enjoy the road and everything else that goes with it. It's going to be epic. It's going to be epic. All right. Well, here, here's first of all the last one from Depeche Mode. Again, people will know this one backwards. <laughs> So it was Jack L and from that with Depeche Mode's Violator to the singer and actor Loa's album choice is this. There you go, that is Radiohead, of course, in Rainbows from 2007. Loa, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks for having me, Dave. Good. Now, did you like listening to that song there? Was it good to hear? You haven't heard? I love it. Gets <laughs> you know? me every time. Yeah, it gets you every time, does it? Okay, in Rainbows, album number seven, Radiohead. Why? Well, I, through singing those songs, 
when I was a member of Trinity Orchestra in college and we did a Radiohead tribute show. Through the physical act of singing Tom York, I made the formal decision to become a singer. Hold on a second. Like you picked in rainbows to sing? But I mean, like, you, the, sorry, what? I can't understand how that can even be done by anybody else but Radiohead in some ways. Yeah, it definitely felt like an impossible project. Um, yeah. But w- what we did in Trinity Orchestra, what the lads did was they would arrange the all of the music for strings. And that album has a lot of really beautiful yeah, strings it on it. Yeah. And they also took a bunch of other Radiohead songs. So I sang Pyramid Song as well. Which um, I love. And it's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. And so a bunch of different singers, we all hopped up and did our one or two songs. Um, and it was really about the strings and bringing forward those gorgeous Johnny Greenwood oh, arrangements. Right, yeah. um, and I got to sing Nude. Yeah. A pyramid song. And then... We, we should start that again. I got to sing Nude. Hold on. <laughs> Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, that. That's the next That's song we're going to play. It is the title of a track on no. this album. This is why grammar yeah. and capitalization yeah, is important, right. kids. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Actually, and, uh, yeah, it's, that's very good. Hilarious. And nude, by the way, in this song, which we'll play in a few minutes or so, it's kind of about bearing your soul. That yeah. bearing, wow. right? right. Yeah. Okay, now let, let's get back to it. So you sang those songs in Trinity, yeah. Yeah, so we sang them in the exam hall. And at the time, I had been, I had had a jazz and funk and soul band, covers band that I had in college. And I also like wrote a couple of tunes and slipped them in during the sets to see if anyone noticed and it was my first foray into writing and having a band but I didn't really I knew I kind of would like to be a musician but I didn't think it was really possible Um, but then the my friends were like listen will you sing a couple of the tunes on this gig and I was like sing Radiohead Um, I I don't know like the super fans are going to come for me if I mess this up so but I was like I'll do it but I, I sought out a vocal coach um, because I didn't want to mess it up and I had heard that a friend of mine's mum taught Tom York and her name's Judith Mock and Oh she's yeah we've had her on the programme that's right she yeah, did do, yeah. uh, don't tell me that you do, You went to her as well did you? Oh I did yeah And did you learn how to do Tom York or did you just do your own version kind of? So, the, so the, of course the, I wanted her to teach me how to do Tom York yeah. but uh, within the first couple of sessions she was like okay well we'll, we'll get you singing the songs but yeah. they're gonna, you're going to make them sound like you and this is not I don't this is not like an imitation service that we're doing here this is real singing and there was a a marked shift in my approach to performance and singing just from those few weeks where I where I kind of trained those songs with her so um, from actually yeah. delving into this music, which yes. by the way like, is very difficult to, I don't see how anybody could interpret it, frankly. Yeah. Uh, like, did you find yourself lost in the whole, like there's one thing about this album, it's the seventh album by them, they're very kind of human on this album yeah. and a bit more loose and all the rest of it mm-hmm. and they've nothing else to prove kind of thing mm. and it kind of really helped them. They became, I'm not going to say nicer, but you know what I mean, easier to get into. Yeah, kind of, you know? so relaxed yeah, and there exactly. was no intellectual forcing of yeah. like, we, we have to be seen as like this, that and the other, which obviously works really well. They're really good at proving themselves too. Yeah. But this felt so human and like vulnerable and sensitive. And I love when Tom York does that, his boy choir high, yeah. high yeah. falsetto, but they have their the bangers on the album too. And it just felt so mellow and chill and gorgeous because it's like they've really actualized their skill and their humanity. 
Yeah, but still really difficult to but interpret. But still really hard. <laughs> so yeah, let's right. not forget. I mean, the old yeah. left-field gloom rock stuff that people often thought, they really relaxed out on this and it really worked for Radiohead. They'd done so much. Okay, totally. let's let's go nude. Let's play the song <laughs> then. What is it about nude? Because I mean, I must say, when I heard that this was the album, yeah. I said, I wonder what three tracks you'll pick. You picked three completely different ones than I would have picked. Which wow, is, you know, it's, so like, cool. it, it's a whole album though, as you yeah. say. And also the whole band, I've never heard them so being all a five piece as much as I have here. And I think also that maybe the Johnny Greenwood and uh, what do you call him, Tom York, who had the eraser at the time, did they mm. get a lot of their solo stuff out of the way? Yes. And they were relaxed without saying in any way I could shoehorn this stuff oh, into Forcing my tunes in. Yeah. It was like, let's do this. Well, I mean, their story and version of how it came together sounds like it was really hard, but as the listener, you hear the melange, you hear the yeah. group. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, well then let's hear the group. This is uh, Loa, no, it's not Loa, sorry. This is Radiohead. <laughs> I wish. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. In Rainbows is the album from 2007 and this track here is called Nude. There you go, Nude is what it's called. It is in Rainbows. It is Radiohead. Loa has picked this. And uh, had you listened to previous Radioheads, you know? Radioheads, yeah. I mean, like, you know, they were out in my teens and I was, like, into them. I wasn't as upset. I found, like, a lot of my guy friends were super obsessive, which put me off. So I I liked them, but I didn't have that kind of streak of, like, obsessive love that a lot of their fans have. But then after doing this project, I did. I got that. It just shows you that a band that if you do the deep depth, if oh, it's yeah. kind of worth it I mean I hate to say like it sounds great on headphones but it actually does doesn't it, <laughs> it there's really so does. many it's different so things deep, going on so much on. detail yeah. and like I was listening to it you know even this morning and it was like the, the bass in, in Body Snatchers was like thumping my bass um, in my speaker yeah. and I was like I forgot that this is really intense yeah. bass you know um, and even in Nude like what we just heard there's I had that note that he holds for ages for what you're thinking he holds it for like 11 breaths or like, like 11 wow, beats you really have 11 gone beats this. and I was like time for fish in York like yeah. you had to it had to be 11 so it was like really interesting practicing it and getting so deep into all the sounds it's a beautiful album yeah and it's a very graceful album it's a very kind of dreamy album yeah, and it's dreamy. not dreary like some people think who don't know their Radiohead but no I mean they're, they're, I think it's really romantic yeah, even the, yeah. like you know There's a lot of songs about kind of death and stuff if you, if you yeah. go with the lyrics of just you know sure. it's going to happen to us all kind of music you know yeah and that's kind of like freedom it's like facing facing your death mean facing death and its reality is yeah. puts you very much in the present moment where you're like well I better just enjoy and it. have you ever like gone off into the left hand side and listened to Johnny's film music and all that yeah I mean I love that there will be blood soundtracks really yeah. special I'm, I'm not like again I haven't actually done a deep dive but, well, although now I might um, but I, I love he loves that um, composer Penderecki um, and really? it's like Eastern European really like high kind of squealing violins and I grew up playing the violin and to hear the way he uses the violin particularly in the There Will Be Blood soundtrack it's it's very abrasive and almost like rude because he's like we're not here to be cute we're not here to right. be gorgeous violinists right. we're here to like scare people <laughs> and it's like I love that boldness and actually like, there is that about his music yeah yeah, about, yeah the scaring bit alright so listen just finally then on this one here there's something about 
the examination that you had to make into this album, that mm. you saw the beauty and the sensitivity and the emotional whatever, that if your friends were waffling away because they were boring you silly with their indie Radiohead <laughs> stuff, you got something else out of it and at least were able to talk to them on the same level and realise that you're actually on a higher level. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, something like something that. Something like that, yeah, I thought so. Okay, so what's the last track we're playing here? Is it record? Is oh. it... Is it Reckoner, Reckoner is it? Yeah. Yes. Well, look at the way so you much. see, there you go. I'm um, so enamoured. <laughs> why, why, why Reckoner? So for me, I feel like Reckoner is the pinnacle of songwriting and of all the things that I like. It's got amazing groove and they, I know for a fact because I, you know, checked it out they used really unusual percussion and they were just like having fun in the in the studio just banging things yeah. and making a beat which like is a really fun way of making a beat it's almost like hip hop or something and then there's Tom's beautiful voice and this like really gorgeous intricate guitar line and then there's the strings so it's got wow. groove it's got sensitivity it's got strings it's everything so for me yeah. I'm like this is my yardstick yeah. and by the way it's about the Grim Reaper and about death more or less. anyway so there you go so I throw that in anyway listen Loa thank you so much for dropping in that's great in rainbows the album 2007 because i never asked you the big question did you buy it remember <gasps> oh my gosh that was the most famous album in history, in history. Because the first band because they, they were with emi terra firma came in they hated what emi had become yeah. so they said right we're going to give the album for free which freaked out the record industry yes. now did you give it, um, any money to it i did oh did you i bought oh, it on i bought it on itunes wow well yeah. i won't even ask how much because yeah. <laughs> you didn't upsetting. have to give the phone <laughs> yeah, back no. all right listen loa thank oh, you so much indeed this is reckoner this is in rainbows and this is radiohead and that was loa dave thank you Dave Fanning on 2FM.